0: Oh, hey, you
1: guys. It's Kilowatt. I am driving home. It was my first day back from vacation. Um, And I was lucky enough to catch a ride with one of my coworkers. Where we kind of chummed it up and talked about, you know, random things. Um, And he mentioned, like, uh, a couple things I wanted to jab about. Sorry to suck. I'm about to merge. Priorities, people. Priorities. Um, Actually, so that'll... I guess I'll just tie it all together after I get my whole... I went through a layout. Like, I'm trying to get organized with this bullshit. Because there's a lot of rambling. And I'm trying to diminish... Or, like, diminish, limit, reduce the amount of times I spent rambling or jabbing on. Um, so... Last podcast, we visited my childhood, and I wanted to touch on a couple things with that. Uh, I only went so far as, um, you know, high school and like how I flourished into myself. Um, But I think it's valid to mention the other part of my growth, the other side of the coin, is many people experience much more than just their adolescent years i um, going into adulthood in like early 20s to 30s um, and I'll try and be brief with it. So I don't fucking kill you with details, but I, one of the reasons why this has been such a really strange um, week for me is that I spent a lot of time revisiting the past like uh, kind of reopening old, old painful memories where I had to remember what things were like Um, I mentioned that I got pregnant at 18 uh, with my first husband, Brad. Um, And I was just like a kid looking for a family. Like I just really wanted to be part of a family. And I had, you know, hooked up with a really great family growing up. Uh, My best friend, uh, Sierra Scott, as we grew up together, I went to the church with them pretty much every Sunday and every Wednesday. Like I was always over there as much as i could because they just had such a cool family unit and they're just very mellow down to earth people and i just could tell i was in good company plus they always had a lot of pickles in the fridge so that was like a total bonus um so and that was you know coming from someone whose mom worked all the time like she was busy so i found a way to create my own little family atmosphere even if that was kind of latching on and adopting others um and then when i met Brad and i had had you know two two boyfriends previous. He was like my third actual boyfriend. Um, and I met him and he was like pretty much everything that I thought I wanted because he was really good at, um, kind of making himself look good. You know, he'd say all the things he's, he's pretty smart and he has a way of being like a chameleon kind of and just sort of reads into people's weaknesses and kind of expresses to them what they feel uh kind of like um there's a practice of therapy where it's just called like um reflective listening or something like that where people who are listening to you will repeat back things that you said to them as a means to like let you know that they heard what you were saying uh it's a, it's actually pretty cool. It's a neat technique to have people feel understood and, and listened to. I mean, obviously, but, um, they call it active listening, but sometimes it can be more of like a, like a mirror, you know, where they'll bounce stuff back at you that you had mentioned. Um, sorry. I know it's like these pauses are, they have to be kind of annoying. Um, so anyway, he, he was very gifted in that department and he still is. Like he knows how to identify a weakness and kind of placate to it. And if he sees that someone really wants a family, he can bring up that he really too wants a family and sort of like turn into that guy that you thought that you wouldn't find or, you know, sort of similar to that movie frozen where, um, the little redhead gal, Anna, uh, meets a guy the first fucking day that she meets them, they decide to get married and that's red flag. Okay. But if you're not like, (sighs) it's a similar circumstance where if you're not familiar with like the dating world and you're just young and you just have a lot of hurt and you don't know what to do with it and you never properly processed a lot of loss or like alone feelings, then you kind of run into anything that would be not alone, you know? Uh, so he and I, um, got pregnant at 18 and I told my mom, she kicked me out of the house. I didn't know she'd had a kid at 16, um, that she had to give up for adoption. I didn't know that at the time. Um, so for her, she was just being hella triggered, like mad triggered. And, um, and for me, I was just experiencing, you know, one more rejection, where I said, you know, I'm pregnant, and she said, get out, you know, so I didn't have anywhere to go, and, of course, Brad was there, like, this knight in shining armor, red flag number two, (laughs) and then, um, initially, he said he didn't want me to have the baby, like, he said that, uh, he would support me either way, which is a neutral way of saying, like, just being, like, you know, pretty respectful of the fact that it's another person's baby, um, And then my mom had made an appointment for me to go to the abortion clinic or to Planned Parenthood to get an abortion. And I remember the night prior, I was feeling really conflicted about it because I grew up in a Baptist church setting. Like I had been brought every Sunday and every Wednesday to this church. And I knew that that was like a, like a sin, you know, like according to my religion that I had just randomly adopted through whoever would take me in as a kid. Um, So I had been given this this notion that it was very bad to do that. And I shouldn't do that. Even though realistically I should have like considered it with more, um, weight than I did because they just dismissed it immediately. Am I glad that I fucking had my child? Of course I am. Of course I am. That's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is just never actually considering the option. Um, and having my mom kind of try and force that on me and, I'm not really looking at what the situation was, which was a really, really, really... (sighs) The perfect makeup for an abusive situation. I was fresh, you know, out of high school. I had no family. I had not a big social network because when I started dating Brad, it became like... You can tell in really codependent relationships that people uh, tend to only social with their person. And that's fine, but it also is a major indication that you don't have another sense of self. Like you don't have an, a core identity, which is so essential for actual like growth and and uh, evolution of self, uh, bettering of oneself. Um, improving one's circumstance through your own personal means as opposed to latching on to someone else and riding their coattails in. Um, So I was given the set of belief systems uh, through the Baptist church, also through Disney. You know, I was looking for that knight in shining armor. I loved country music, fucking Carrie Underwood, Sarah Evans, all that bullshit where it's like fucking military wife, Jesus take the wheel. Like, so like really disempowering the female you know, energy. Like it's, you know, you have no control over your own body. You're not allowed to make that decision. That's a sin. Uh, you need another person to save you. Very codependent, very toxic, dysfunctional, disempowering. Like, so I have all of these really fucked up belief systems that I didn't even know about. Cause I didn't even know what a belief system was. Cause I was just a kid. So I get locked, like kind of locked into this really weird um, codependent relationship where I'm 100% dependent upon Brad and his dad. And his dad was <laughs> really like um, encouraging of the fact that he could go into the military. Uh, this is Jim we're talking about. Jim is Brad's dad. He says, you know, you should go in the military. They'll give you all these things and I'll help you out. Um, but then at the same time, he realized that he was going to have to like kind of foot the bill a little bit like brod was like you know pushing his dad like look you got to you got to pay for her rent while i'm gone you got to do this you got to do that and um made it seem like You know, like, you have to take care of her while I'm gone because I'm going in the military. I'm making the sacrifice for her country. I'm following in her footsteps. Like, she's pregnant with your first, you know, grandson, and this is it, you know, blah, blah, blah. Which it actually isn't true. Like, um, his daughter actually had two sons before, you know, Jacob came along. But, you know, in a nutshell, it was, like, really weird. I got set up. I didn't pay for anything. I was in a really nice, you know, um, apartment at the top of the hill, I just had an American Express card I would use for food, groceries, you know, electricity, car payments, anything. They bought me a car. Like, I was set up, okay? Meanwhile, you know, my stomach's growing bigger. I have absolutely zero sense of who I am. I'm glamorizing this idea of being a military wife and a good Christian mother. Like, so I'm just brainwashed at this point. Like, I felt way... Like, looking back, I'm like, man, I wasn't even awake. Like... What the fuck? So of course, um, Brad comes back from boot camp, and he's different, obviously, because he's just had his whole sense of self broken down, which it was pretty fragile to begin with. Um, then you take that guy, and you give him a title to identify with, which is glamorized everywhere. Um, it's called nationalism, where like everybody's just extreme, diehard, patriotic, all about the flag, all about the country, all about the you know. The military, And so it just removes individual thought from the collective, which I think is a very dangerous thing to do when you introduce, you know, nationalism and religion, okay? So you've got these really, like, rigid belief structures. You're not allowing these young people to think for themselves or even identify as themselves because they're identifying as roles, which is super dangerous, especially if you... Uh, If you don't factor in the fact that they're going to grow. So we got all these people um, glamorizing this idea, these concepts to these young kids who have probably come from broken homes. So they run into the military and I saw this play out multiple times while I was there. Um, And then and then it gets weird because these guys are trained, uh, you know, in the art of combat and shit. So abusive military set- setups, like domestic violence is a fucking thing. Um, and I experienced it because I watched this guy go from, um, being like, you know, pretty cool to switching over and just being a fucking tyrant, like just an asshole. Uh, he knew that I was away from my mom. We moved to North Carolina. He knew that I had no friends. He knew that I had no car. He knew I had no job. And it was just me and this 10-month-old kid. I was a young mom. I had no idea what the fuck I was doing. I was scared. And on top of that, he's been gone for so long that we disconnected. And he's saying shit like, you know, you're a 13-year-old with your thumb stuck up your ass because I forgot diapers. You know, or like just basic shit that you should never say to anyone, yet alone the one person you have the most control over. Mind you, it was my own fucking fault for giving him that control, okay? So I'm, I'm accepting what I put myself in, and I just didn't see it coming because I was an idiot. I was just very young. Um, so I'm literally by myself. I'm all excited about, um, you know, being a military mom and all this, but I didn't understand what the reality was, which I was alone in a house with a baby and no friends and no money and no job and... I got this guy who freaks out and throws shit across the room if he comes home and finds a soap ring. I have no form of entertainment because, you know, it took like three weeks for our shit to actually get there. I'm just sitting there with this kid and nothing to do and no one to talk to and I'm dealing with, you know, postpartum depression and, and like being away from my family and feeling super alone again, which is a really bad feeling for me because I mentioned in my childhood I spent a lot of time alone. And so this is exactly opposite of what I thought it would be, which is why I ran into it. Because I thought, oh, once you have a family and once you have a husband, like you're never going to be alone. Um, So as time went on, he got like progressively emotionally and mentally abusive, uh, like bad. And um, I remember he would make me leave Jake at home if I ever wanted to use the car. He said that it wasn't fair to Jacob to make him, you know, pull him out of his crib and put him in a car seat and drive him 45 minutes. So he made me like, I had to decide if I wanted to get a job, I would have to get into town. This is a town with no sidewalks, no bus systems. I know no one. And if I wanted to get a job, I was going to have to leave my kid at home because his dad was like fucking Fidel Castro and was like, no, if you want to use the car today, you need to leave him at home while he's sleeping. It's early enough where he's not even going to wake up. And there was like two days where I actually did it. And it was the most terrifying hour and a half as a new mom, as someone who just needed to get away so I can try and find a fucking job. Um, I just, I did it so I could do it. And I remember the second time I came home and he was crying, he was almost hoarse. And I felt like it was just like the worst fucking thing. It was horrible. And I felt like a piece of shit. And I, Didn't know what to do. So I land this job at Applebee's as as a server. And I start talking to these women. um, My trainer, Sarah. And these women are like cool bitches. Like they're fucking super cool. They're military moms. They're wives. They're, you know, sisters of people in the military. And they're like really strong, intelligent, funny women who I could see as a support group. I needed that. And I called them my freedom angels, okay? And as time went on, I I slowly bonded with them and I, like, explained to them what was going on. And, like, some of the shit that he would do. Um, I remember, like, one of the worst things he ever did. It was at the Marine Corps ball. And I was, um, you know, I think it was, like, four weeks postpartum. And... He was like, "Well, we're going to the Marine Corps ball, so I'll get you some plane tickets to come down." And as I went down to California, he would say shit like, uh, "What happens in the area code stays in the area code." Like, so he started hinting that he was cheating on me to his buddies. Like, it was very obvious. Um, and then um, he like treated me like garbage. Like, I showed up, and there was some type of disagreement at the military ball where he was angry at me and, um, he left me at a gas station. I was wearing, like, I had nobody there. Like I didn't know anyone. And I was wearing a fucking ball gown and, um, he left me in a gas station at a 76 station and I didn't have my phone. Like he had my phone and he had my wallet and he had everything. And he, he told me to get the fuck out of the car and his friends were like, dude, you can't leave your fucking wife here at this gas station. And he's like, no, fuck that bitch. Like, blah, blah, blah. She's just a whore. And he just treated me like shit. And he kicked me out. And I sat on the curb. And I started to cry. And I'm wearing this gown. And this the guy that runs the gas station was like, do you need to use my phone? And so I called my mom. And my mom was furious. And she said, I'll send you a plane ticket. You're coming home. And then um, Brad came back. And he got me. And then it just proceeded to be like a weird psychologically abusing trip like all of it was really fucked up and he told people stuff about me that you wouldn't talk about with your wife and like about your wife Um, and he did it in front of people to shame me and it was just like (sighs) it, it like looking back at that like wow like I now understand why my first real therapist and counselor and advocate, his name was Dr. Wolf. And he, he kind of like explained to me, he was like, you know that you have PTSD, right? Like Brad's coming home from Iraq and you're scared shitless. You've never been in a place of strength and independence and your sense of self is dialed in. you have these amazing girlfriends who are there for you and, and cheer you on. And you're finally feeling confident in your ability to be a mom and he's coming home in a week and you're falling the fuck apart. And he says, you realize that you have PTSD from your your marriage to Brad. You realize that you need to get out, right? And I said, yes. So he tells me, this is what you're going to do. You're going to get a bank account. You're going to go to work. You're going to take all the tips that you get from work. You're going to put it in the bank account. And he basically explained to me how the fuck I needed to get away from an abusive marriage. Um, The first time I ever reached out to anyone for help was at... uh, my pastor's house. I went to his house at the church in North Carolina and I explained to him, Look, I'm like fucking super scared. At, like, this guy is becoming progressively like violent. Like, he's not hitting me, but he's throwing shit across the room and he's like, um, scaring the fuck up. Sorry, I'm back. Um, so I just explained to the pastor, uh, he's not like, hitting me yet um I didn't know like the depths of like sexual abuse or just um like what being manipulated is I just I had never experienced anything so malefic like I had not encountered that like I'd been bullied and stuff and I had been left alone but I had never had someone actually be like abusive to me And I just wasn't, like, I didn't get it. Like, the light didn't come on. The red flags never showed up. And so I was at this uh, pastor's house because, of course, I reached down to my faith. And it was, like, right after I'd gotten a job at Applebee's with all these cool women who I was starting to warm up to. And it was right before Brad's deployment. And I went to the pastor, and I explained to him, it was, like, after I had to leave Jake at home, um, and I had just gotten the second job, and I was, like, freaking out because I couldn't bear the thought of, of like, having to leave my kid at home while I went to work. Like, that was something Brad would throw out on the table. But, of course, he never followed through with it because that's, like, fucking crazy. Uh, but he just did shit like that. Like, he would say fucked up shit. Like, oh, yeah, well, if you do that, then I'm going to do this obscene thing. and And so it would keep me from doing anything I wanted to do. It was like a power player control form, like a way to control someone. And so anyway, um, so I went to this guy. I don't fucking remember his name. I remember sitting across from him and like a 1970s room. Like it was fucking shag carpet, like really old military housing. And he's sitting there and his solution to me, because I told him, man, like actually hit me, but he's scaring the fuck out of me. Um and I said it in like nicer terms because I was a good Christian girl at the time. And he basically broke it down and said, you know, like a woman's place is in the home, you like to you know, think about nature. Okay, this is how fucked up it is. He said, Think about nature, okay? Like you have a nurturing side too, which is not always the case, okay? So fuck you guys for that concept. Um he said that you have a nurturing side, that side of you wants to be domestic, you want to, you know, fulfill your wifely duties and all this bullshit, and he basically broke it down and said, like, you know, you would be more satisfied staying at home and maybe having another child, maybe you feel empty, like, you know, your little boy is turning into a, a like, a a bigger baby, and maybe you need that infant again, like, his answer Was that I was putting my energy outside of the home and that I needed to redirect my focus to my home and to my marriage and to recommit to my husband because we're there with the Lord, blah, blah, blah. I told him about Brad throwing the table across the room. I told him about throwing a wrench across the room. I told him about flipping everything over in the fucking living room. Like, dude would go bananas, like fucking wily ass shit. And I was just like, I'm standing there as chairs are being thrown past me and I'm just like, like holy shit. Like, I don't know what the fuck to do. Like, he has all this control and I got nothing. I have no freedom. I got nothing. And this guy moved in next door who uh was a roommate to our neighbors and needed a job and volunteered to watch Jacob. Uh I mean he was a stoner guy, so I wasn't like too concerned about him being a fucking predator. I was a young kid. I didn't fucking know. And I um I never got the weird vibe from him. So I felt okay with it to just trust this guy because Brad was certainly not going to be there. Um, And so every time I'd go to work, it would have to be while Brad was at work. I remember that. I remember I had to be home when he would be home. I had to make sure that I still had dinner and, and like did all his laundry and like kept up with all the house chores. And like it was like impossible, impossible standards. And I fucking did it. But I remember going to that pastor and having him tell me that bullshit. And I just remember thinking, fuck this and fuck the church. I'm fucking out of here. And that was the first step I made towards leaving Brad was just deciding for myself, look, I'm not going to adhere to this fucked up belief system. I don't believe in it. I don't think that they empower women. I honestly felt like the church would fucking protect a woman who expressed that she was afraid of her husband. And so I said to him, I'm afraid he fucking tells me to have more kids and quit my job. So I left and then I proceeded to start going to counseling because it was something my mom suggested, which she was smart and right on for that. Uh, And it just opened up the door of discernment, like where I started to realize, like, you know, maybe everything you just blindly followed wasn't actually correct for you. Maybe you should decide what you follow. And that's where my consciousness began to evolve and grow. So this whole week has been like really fucking weird because I've had to revisit the trauma that I went through with Brad. Uh Jacob was recent he was recently hospitalized at OHSU. I'm not gonna go into detail as to why, but you know, shit comes out where you start to realize like when I made the decision to send Jake down there, I had primary custody. I actually had a judge tell me if you think for a fucking second that like he told me and Brad in court. If you think for a fucking second that I'm going to give you custody when she's got all this shit going for her here in Oregon and all all you can say is that she works a lot and is trying her best and you're going to actually go above and beyond and try and reduce the amount of child support that you don't fucking have to pay for because the military pays for your child support, sir. You're trying to actually reduce the amount of money that your kid gets per month because you got some type of vendetta against this bitch that left you. Like she basically said, you, it's like you have something out for this chick because she left you and had the balls to have a life of her own. Uh, You're high, sir. And he said, well, what if I moved to Oregon? And she said, even then I wouldn't give you custody. I should have taken that as a fucking sign. Okay. So I had custody. I had primary custody of my child. Um, Brad moved out of state. The agreement was that because he moved out of state, I would get i He would pay for the plane tickets Uh, for visitation, and he would have to continue to pay child support. So fast forward to when Jacob starts acting up and no one understands why. Mind you, there's trauma involved. It's completely normal for kids to start acting up, especially when they start fucking getting to that age where they can express their own um, sense of power, Okay, so they've, like, suppressed a certain type of pain that is coming out in little bursts of wanting to show themselves that they are powerful. So they do defiant things, and it's fucked up, and you don't understand what they're doing or why they're acting so crazy. Well, fast forward to Jake acting up, running out of school and, like, smoking pot uh, at a skate park at 12. I can't keep him under wraps. I'm freaking out because I feel like I'm losing control over my own child. I didn't realize at the time Brad and Robin were, were filling his head with shit about how great Ohio would be. I didn't know that they were getting into my kid's head then. Okay? Um, I knew that Brad was uh, perpetuating this notion that Braylon was the favorite. And it was disgusting to me because he had done that from the time that I was pregnant. Um, he said, he had the fucking balls to say to me when Braylon was three months old that he felt that I was favoring Braylon over Jacob. And I said, why do you feel that way? He said, well, you give her so much more attention. And he said this on the phone in front of Jacob. And I said, cause she's three months old. Like she, she's breastfeeding. Like this is, this is like, like I'm trying to give my kid attention, but he's also, you know seven and a half years old. He's capable of, um, you know, like getting himself dressed in the morning when I pick out his clothes and like feeding himself cereal while I'm nursing his sister. And like, I like just newborn shit. Like you're just trying to like juggle having two kids and learning how to fairly divide the two, uh, with your attention. Okay. And I'm still like looking back on it. He was just brainwashing Jacob into feeling like we favored his sister over him. This was a plan that he fucking enacted a long time ago, I think, to get me back for leaving him. And him and his wife Robin couldn't have children, so they decided that they'd just fucking take mine. And they fucking told Jacob all the time, like, look, if you were here, we could give you all this time because none of us work. And if you were here, we could give you everything that you need. We put you in School of Rock. We do all this cool shit. By the way, don't you think your mom and dude favor Braylon? And so it became this thing where Jacob hated Braylon. And suddenly he was like, I just want to fucking leave. I want to go to Ohio. I hate this place. I hate you guys. I mean, he was a kid. He was being manipulated. And so then he goes to Ohio. And I think, you know, at the time I got Brad and Robin in my ear saying, look, we have psychology degrees. Look, we don't work. And we have all this time to give to Jacob to give him what he needs. And you don't have that because you just got a DUI and you're just a shit mom and blah, blah. Like, I just... I was weak and I caved because I didn't know what the fuck else to do with this kid that was constantly defiant and just getting in trouble and running off and I couldn't control him anymore. So he left when he was 12, turning 13. Um, He turned 15 this year. So he literally has been there for almost three years. Okay. And in the three years, he's gotten into a relationship with a woman that was fucking seven years older than him. And somehow people decided to label that as him pursuing her and somehow making him out to be the bad guy. You want to fucking tell me that a 23-year-old bitch can make out with my child and no one's going to press charges? I don't know what the fuck kind of magic work or manipulation or fucking words that Brad said to the Pickerington Police Department, but I'll tell you right now that bitch deserves to go to jail. It's inappropriate contact with a minor. She was 23 when she made out with my fucking 14-year-old. That's fucked up, okay? It'd be different if my fucking... Like, this is where I'm thinking, okay, like, okay, like, let me go ahead and give this bitch the benefit of the doubt. No. There's no benefit of the doubt here. This bitch fucking... She just wrong, and she's fucked up to make out with my kid. So that happens. Then we make them break up, and it's this huge, scary thing where... You know, he's thinking that we're evil and, like, we're just the bad guys who make him break up with his girlfriend. And he's heartbroken and suicidal over it. And then a week later, his dog dies under mysterious circumstances. I might have dabbled on that topic, but personally, I think Brad killed the fucking dog. Just so he could have something to throw at Jake. Because every single time that they'd ever get in a fight or have a disagreement, Brad would remind Jacob that he was the reason why Frank died And then he couldn't say anything. Because if Jake had only cleaned his fucking room, then maybe the dog wouldn't have suffocated to death. That's a pretty fucking far leap, dude. So, yeah, I got some mad beef with this dude. And I'm fucking finding out that my kid has been told multiple times that his dad doesn't believe him about something traumatic that happened a long time ago. I find out that his fucking bitch, the fucking stepmother... Texts him and says that she doesn't fucking deal with people like him. and Like, just stupid bullshit. She should never say to a kid who's being, like, who's been through the ringer and is being challenged and is having to re <sighs> reestablish roots in a home that he left thinking that's what, you know, the solution should be. And so then I get to sit at this hotel or not hotel, but this hospital room and listen to Brad go on and on to the therapist about how he's uh, he's fucking, you know, somehow has the right to diagnose our child as something and how he needs residential care and just all this bullshit. And meanwhile, I'm like thinking like there is no balance to this universe. Like how does this fucking guy win all the time? where's the fairness? Like, like I've routine, like just constantly given him the benefit of the doubt in hopes of co-parenting. And he had the fucking balls to turn at me the other day and look at me in front of his dad's house and say, what did I ever fucking do to you? And it was at that moment that I realized I was, I was literally talking to someone who flat out refused to see their actions who's who absolutely refuse to accept any kind of accountability and and then he has the fucking balls to send me a text today that says you know he thinks that I'm a toxic person and that um that he hopes that I find a god and that he's going to pursue his love for the lord and that he'll pray for us dude like the level of trauma that I experienced with this guy and then watching it be perpetuated onto my own child and trying to save my kid from the fucking damage this guy has done and his fucking bitch wife has done. And then on top of it, like I had a solid fucking, you know, support with Jake's grandpa. And somehow in this week, now this fucking guy refuses to answer my calls. He won't even let me go get my child's shoes because he's in this hospital and can't get his fucking shoes. Like, like, wow, dude, you're fucking a mastermind. You're like fucking pinky in the brain type shit. Like, really? For real? Like, wow. So I just, I've been dealing with a lot of emotional bullshit and I'm like trying to revisit and let go because I don't think I've ever talked about this to, to like anybody. I don't fucking tell people a lot of things. I think the most I've ever told anyone was to Brent. And so this has been like a week of just revisiting old wounds. And I have a lot of people that they're like, yo, like it's so negative, like all this negative. Well, yeah, it's negative right now. It's just visiting old trauma because I've been through a lot of fucking abuse and neglect. Like I, I, as a person, am as strong as I am today because I had to overcome that, but I never properly visited that. And this week has been nothing but like fucking, let's just skip on back down the golden road and look at all the bullshit. Like, Whoa, I got mad props for my freedom angels. The day that Brad threw me down in the fucking front of our house, And tried to take my kid like I was able to get a hold of the cops before he took off with my kid. And I fucking was fortunate enough to have a solid group of women just back me and help me get the fuck away from that. And I don't think I would be able to be where I am today without their help. I don't think I'd be the woman that I am right now without them. And I'm so fucking thankful that I came in to their pathway. Like, they are angels. I have someone looking out for me. I know it's a divine power. And if that divine power lives within myself and within all of us, then fuck yeah. Like, I do believe that there is something stronger. And it is like a, a an energy that created all life forms. And I think it transcends time and space and any kind of storyline and plot that we could ever think of. I think the energy will never end and it's always been and I think that that's beautiful and if it's not a fucking god, if it's not a goddess, it's something and I believe in it. So fuck off, Brad. Take your fucking high and mighty road somewhere the fuck else. I hope you find some bitch that believes the bullshit you fucking cook and I hope that she serves back your karma to you tenfold because I am releasing this, this like toxic energy I'm letting it go I'm gonna find my own fucking path and I'm gonna find find the light for my kid I'm gonna be the fucking flashlight for my kid I'm gonna be the goddamn sun and we're gonna shine so bright and we're gonna burn past all this bullshit and your clouds like they won't even touch us because they'll be so high up there just shining like the fucking stars that we are there's nothing you could ever do to hurt me or my child ever again so fuck you And fuck yeah to everybody who's been there for me. And thank you for supporting us. We're going to get it. Like this is going to be the year. Like you just have to sometimes shake it off before you get going. It's like when you're getting ready to do a full on sprint. Sometimes you got to shake your muscles up and just and let go of that toxic energy that just feels kind of lethargic. It's been bogging me down for a long time, but I'm not going to let it do it anymore. And I'm going to do the best thing that I know how, which is to fucking rise. This is Kilowatt. It is fucking early. I am out. I just made it home. I'm thankful. You guys are the best. I love you so much. And I don't know how to work my phone. So you got to give me a second. <laughs> I have to turn my secret pass cut. Okay. You guys are the best. I really appreciate you. I'll talk to you later. Kilowatt out. Um. And so I was about to close that segment, but I just wanted to take a moment and point out that um, the day that Brad found out, he discovered that I was keeping a bank account separate with all my tip money. He realized that I had plans to leave him and he freaked out and he took Jake and he had always threatened to take Jake. That was like my biggest fear is that he would take my child. So he takes Jake and he walks out of the house and Jake's screaming and I'm grabbing onto his shoulder and he body slams me in the middle of the fucking driveway because he's cha- he's trained. Like he's been trained by the military and I'm holding onto his arm and he with zero effort just body slams me onto the fucking concrete. No questions. He was leaving with my kid and there was nothing I could fucking do about it. And uh and so when I called the cops I called me from Becky and Becky shows up in a hot second. And the second that Becky shows up I'm on the phone with Shannon, and I got fucking Holly on the phone, and they're all just coming up with this game plan to help me out of that shit. I stayed with Holly for fucking ever until I could get into my own place. I had nothing but 100% backing behind these women that I had met when I worked at Applebee's as this fucking, like, you know, kind of this dingy like, waitress that didn't... Re- I was just young, and I had nobody, and they, and they were there. And I, and they've backed me and, you know, Erica and Sarah and, and Heather and, you know, Becky, it just, Holly and Shannon, I love you guys so much. I got mad props to you guys. I've never had more fun with a group of women. I've never stepped into my own power and watched you guys just howl. Like, it's just, it's just the most amazing thing to have that experience To go from being so low and so broken and then to have these women just surround you and love you and build you up and teach you how to rise. That's pretty powerful and I think every woman should be that for any other woman that needs that. We're here to help each other and it's so important to be an angel for someone that needs you. So thank you for being my angels. Thank you for setting me free and thank you for helping me find my sense of worth. Okay? I love you guys. I'm never going to forget you. I'll see you later. This is Kilowatt. Out.